This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Pax What She Said podcast. It is our first game recap of the season week one happened uh we almost wish it didn't but (laughs) we are going to be here um breaking down the packers vikings the packers loss to the vikings week one of the 2022 nfl season packers traveled to minnesota it was an afternoon game and kind of dropped a big old turd of a game so we are going to talk through, it might be a, a slight therapy session for you all to listen to. We will do our best to be as analytical as humanly possible, but curious, Maggie, what your gut reaction was to the game, because we're recording this on a Monday. So the game was yesterday, waking up today, feeling any differently about the game than you did yesterday or feeling pretty much the same? So for me, and like, I don't know what this was, but I just, I don't think that my opinion on anything has changed that much. And maybe I'm in the minority in that. But like, once we found out that Bakhtiari and Jenkins were questionable, I immediately took that as they're not playing. So when I had that in my head going into Sunday's game with both of your tackles missing, we talked about it, you know, with Andy and Dusty on the pack a day, a happy hour on Friday you know, without your quote unquote wide receiver one, you're in a hostile environment. It's loud. You're on the road. It's week one. Kevin O'Connell is an offensive minded head coach instead of a defensive minded head coach like Mike Zimmer. There was so much newness, especially for the offense without Devante, that it felt like the odds were stacked against them. And one mistake was going to kind of set the tone. Mm -hmm. So then when the Packers opened things up and they had the drop on the very first play of the game, that would have been a touchdown. It, it was enough, I think, at that point for me to be like, okay, not that I thought they were out of it from that moment, but it just felt like they were going to need to play a really clean game, and they absolutely did not play that clean game on Sunday. Yeah. Okay, so you were pretty even keel from the jump. <laughs> was, 
this loss doesn't you have no like long term concerns about this team, basically is what you're saying from this loss. Right. And I mean, I think the only thing that I can see being frustrated by outside of, of course, a lackluster performance and, you know, why is this team coming into week one looking so, you know, lukewarm, I guess, is just the fact that it's a division game, right? And you don't want to drop the games in your division. But, you know, we saw last season that it didn't matter. The Packers still won 13 games. So as far as long-term concerned, not yet. But I think we're going to need to see how this team, specifically this defense, responds, let's say, you know, like in week three against the Bucks, because that Bucks offense, you could argue, maybe even has more weapons than the Vikings offense does. So oh, yeah, those are the sure. kind of things that I'm thinking about, like long term. Yeah. And Bucks looked good last night. I mean, granted, the Cowboys looked bad. So there's a little bit of in between. Yeah, I um, I didn't feel great. But at the same time, obviously, well, first of all, never feel great about a loss, right? Especially right. about a loss that felt winnable it, it did even, the whole time even when they got down it still didn't feel like like it, i didn't really understand why the mood of the team when they were even when they were down 17 to nothing felt like it was so insurmountable because they had plenty of opportunities now yes does it suck that christian watson dropped what would have been a 75 yard touchdown sure but he still was able to beat Patrick Peterson and and get himself open so there was opportunities potentially later on in the game that they didn't use on him is it really unfortunate they were stuffed at you know fourth and one at the goal line yes but it wasn't like they didn't have the opportunities for it and I did feel like I know my gut reaction last night was like wow the defense got torched by Josh Justin Jefferson this is not at all was what I was expecting from them and yes, they did get torched by Justin Jefferson, but at the same time in the rewatch, they didn't actually play that poorly, right? Like there were some moments where they played quite well. Obviously they need to game plan better for the Vikings best player, but they still only held the Vikings to 23 points, which the Packers offense theoretically should have been able to overcome. Um, and sure there, I think very clearly there's going to be more growing pains than I was expecting from this Packers offense, especially like you said, no, both tackles, no Alan Lazard, but it just felt like a couple of missed opportunities really by 12 that could have kept them in the game longer. Yeah. And I think one of the question marks that I have is, you know, this is Matt LaFleur's fourth season now. And I just, I always get the sense when the Packers are down, like they get punched in the mouth and they don't recover. Yep. And I think that's one of the critiques that we had going into even like his second season was, when this team gets down, they don't know how to respond. And, you know, we saw flashes of them being able to rally and come back from some of those moments last season. And we thought like, okay, maybe the growth is there with this coaching staff and, you know, we're seeing improvement. And then, you know, for them to come out and put out the kind of performance that they did where they're talking about, you know, maybe the energy is flat or maybe it's something we're doing in practice or maybe yeah. guys aren't prepared. Then, you know, who does that fall on? It falls on the coaching staff. So I guess the question is in your fourth season. And I know there's some new pieces there. You've got a new offensive coordinator. Joe Barry's got a couple new pieces on defense, but primarily, you know, your leaders are still there. So where is the disconnect and why does this seem to happen regularly where the team gets down and there's no fight. Like if, if I were, I mean, I'm not in a locker room, obviously, but if I were one of the captains on the sideline, I think I'd be, you know, doing a little bit more on the sideline to get the guys fired up. And it felt like we only saw that from like AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and they barely got to touch the football. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. I think 
I am with you in that I'm not really going to overreact to one loss. And I, I've said that I said this, you know, we recorded pack a day last night, right after the, um, the game. And I, you know, I said, they did this week one last year and it ended up not mattering. Right. At, at the end of the season, if you asked me about week one, I was like, Oh yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, Sure. You know, so hopefully that's what happens this season too. Right. So we, we don't know, there's no trends. There's one game, lots to overreact to, mm-hmm. but the trend is exactly what you just said, which is every time the Packers get punched in the nose under Matt LaFleur, they kind of spiral and it's not without leadership on this team. So Whatever they're doing, I think there there needs to be some kind of revamp of, you know, locker room pep talks or whoever is going to get, you know, be on the sidelines and say, guys, we're the Green Bay effing Packers. Like, we can go and beat this team. There's so much ball game left and not, you know, they panned the camera and they looked mopey. And I was like, guys, you are you are just as good, if not better than this team. And you can get back out there and and beat them um so it is and that falls on the coaching to me I agree with you it, it does fall on the coaching um and it's something that they're going to have to fix because you're not always going to be ahead you know you you right. play in the National Football League with 31 other very you know professional teams who might be beating you and you have to be able to overcome those losses and I equated it a little bit to the 49ers game in that you know you get the Mercedes Lewis fumble and all of a sudden you know one bad thing happens and it's like we're done here, you know, and you feel like Christian Watson drops that pass at the beginning. I'm not blaming Christian Watson. Let me just put that out. I'm just saying as as a comparison. And then it just feels like, oh, we just can't overcome this, this, this thing for some reason. Um, They have to figure out a way around that. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, it's it's really easy looking back, you know, of course, Matt LaFleur is going to come out on the fourth and one goal line stand and say like, yeah, I should have called a better play. Like, of course, yeah, if it doesn't work out, the the answer is always I should have done better. But there's moments where you need your, your leaders on the team to be leaders. And yes, yep. as much as we want to talk about the coaching, you know, we, we've talked about this with Aaron Rodgers for for the last 17 seasons. And, you know, at this point he gets away with a lot of things because he is a four-time MVP back-to-back MVP. But in some situations, you know, it's like, Hey, you have to throw the ball away here. You can't take a sack. And, you know, is that all his fault? No, he was working with a hodgepodge offensive line for some of this game and scrambling and the protections were bad. And, you know, but he said after the game, like, we're professional football players. Like even the rookies are professional football players. And there just has to be a point where as much as you try to take leadership and ownership of things and, and make plays happen, you just have to stick to the game plan and you have to execute. Because I think a lot of this falls on a lack of execution and maybe even guys trying to do too much when they're, they're getting away from that, you know, the cliche one eleventh. Yeah. I completely agree on execution. I, I think that, I'm going to give the game plan the benefit of the doubt and assume they went into this game and said, we know we don't have two of our best offensive linemen in, so we're going to game plan around that, which means get the ball out really quickly, right? Try to call protections that we know these guys are maybe better at, lean on some of our players. I mean, the run game, when it was working, was really working. And yet really for some working. reason, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon barely got any touches. Like, they're some somehow they got away from it. And I do think... Part of that is probably on Matt Fleur, but part of that is, like you said, on Aaron Rodgers. He was holding the ball for a long time. He was scrambling. And sure, maybe that works if you have a Devontae Adams out there where they're like telepathic in the scramble drill and he can 
get himself open or he can come back to Aaron Rodgers like he likes. But you're out there now with Sammy Watkins, who you've never played with before, and two rookies who don't know your scramble grill. (laughs) We know what you mean. (laughs) Scramble drill. And it's just not going to work out like that. So let's try to pick the tempo up, maybe get the ball out faster, be that game elite game manager, you know, that he was the last two seasons when he won MVP. He, his almost like anxious pivot is like to be play hero ball again. And it just ended up not working out because no one could get open. Yeah. And I think the the thing that I'm looking for now in the next couple of weeks specifically is like Tom Clemens is back. So a lot of the, like the stuff that maybe we're used to seeing the tendencies from Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, he got his guy back, like the guy that he has been the most comfortable with that he won a Super Bowl with, like his quarterback coach that he has advocated for and basically dragged out of retirement to say, Hey, come help me win this ring so that I too can ride off into the sunset. He's here now. And I know that, you know, they showed him on the sidelines looking really frustrated because you do have guys running the wrong routes. And I know he said, or, you know, the speculation at least was that he threw a pick on a busted coverage where he thought maybe, you know, somebody jumped off sides and it was a free play. Regardless of any of that, you know, this game should have been and could have been much closer than it was. You're talking about a couple, you know, the ball bouncing the wrong way kind of plays and you're right back into this thing. So I just, I want to see that progression in the next couple of weeks now. And honestly, I know we're not talking about that today, but if there's a team to bounce back against Lambeau field at home, yeah, it's, it's a good atmosphere to do that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. So I guess we've we've been leaning more offensive offensively. The why can't I speak um, as we've been kind of talking the first half of the show. So biggest takeaways, I guess we, we mentioned the running backs don't really understand why they didn't get as many touches as they did. What else was working? What wasn't working? What do we want to see next week? There, like there has to be changes, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the, the most curious things will be what the offensive line looks like, mm-hmm. because I you know, we went into the game not thinking that Hanson and Newman were it at right guard and right tackle. Felt that even more strongly illustrated, you know, in this moment with the way that the line held up. Then you have John Rennan Jr., who I thought was actually playing pretty well out with a concussion. I don't know if he can come back from that that quickly. So even yeah. if you're thinking about shifting a guy like Zach Tom, or if you would have maybe put him at right tackle, now maybe you're considering moving him to left guard to fill in you know, more permanently for the next couple weeks until JRJ is back. So I guess, you know, a lot of this is just can Elton and David get healthy enough quickly enough 
to, to mask some of these deficiencies, because I think a big part of even, you know, the run game, we saw Zach Tom come in and open up some holes right away for Dylan and Jones. So once this offensive line gets their cohesion together and develops a little bit more comfort, and again, maybe we'll see better comfort out of Hanson and Newman when they get more time to gel, more chemistry going into week two. But I think the offensive line is, is kind of the key right now to unleashing the offense that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers want to run. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts there. One is, can we just agree that Zach Tom needs to be out there, right? Of, of yes. The bright spots yeah. in this game. He was absolutely one of them. I'm so glad they put him in. I'm so glad he got a chance to show what he can do because the left side of that line was not the problem. Um, Yash had a great game too. Yash had a great game. He was not the problem. Um, there has to be some adjusting is the word I'll use on the right side of the line. Now, that being said, the Packers' new offensive coordinator is their previous offensive line coach. Yeah. So are we at all concerned that his first game, like what, the breakdowns was really with the offensive line, or is this just they're working with backups and then they lost their you know next starter and now they're down three starters and this is just unexpected? I mean, they had to know that if I was them, I would be planning for week one all along, not having David Bakhtiari yeah. on the place. Right. So th this isn't like a surprise that they were working without their best two tackles. I'm a, I'm, should, should we be disappointed in Adam Senovich? At that point, I don't know if it's a Steno thing. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to this, and I think they're spot on. It, it reminds me of when. Elton Jenkins had proven all preseason that he deserved to be a starter on the offensive line. And Lane Taylor got the nod because he was the vet in the room. And I, I understand that mentality, um, but it kind of feels like it falls on the Packers coaching staff at that point. And, you know, maybe yes, you lump Steno in with this group, but they like to reward their guys. And, you know, we've seen repeatedly Steno has said probably two or three times about, you know, Hanson has always been a better run blocker hasn't been as great in pass protection, but we thought he was making strides in pass protection and he deserved the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever they're seeing, whatever this is, you know, his development, I think they wanted to like give him the nod for, Hey, we think you're making progress and we don't want somebody to come in and usurp your position, which again, you know, call it what you want for the Packers. They advocate for their guys, but at some point, you know, the experiment has to end because, because clearly you can't take reps away. If, if your mentality is always, you know, best five, regardless of position, the best five weren't out there on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see after another week of practice where the injuries stand. Luckily, John Running Jr. is a concussion. We know he will recover from um, and see what they do against the Bears. But yeah, I just, I guess I hope for adjusting. Um, in terms of the rest of the offense, I, I was a little surprised at how little the wide receivers got involved. And again, during the live, you know, I, I wasn't entirely sure what the game plan was. And then in the rewatch, like, I don't want to blame this whole game on Rodgers, but he did miss a couple throws. I mean, there were definitely some moments like he overthrew Aaron Jones. Um, there was a moment where I think it was Sammy Watkins came out over the middle on a third down and he instead like kind of checked it down to AJ Dillon and completely missed wide open Sammy Watkins. There was a moment Christian Watson and uh, I think it was, I don't remember him and another wide receiver both like leaked out to the right. 
And Rogers, like if he had held on like a second longer, Christian Watson would have been able to turn around and probably get the first down. There were just a couple of miscues. I'm feeling like this is just the growing pains piece of this offense, not necessarily an actual like problem going forward, but it just felt uncharacteristic. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is like you said, this, and I I don't think preseason is the answer. I know everybody wants to point to this and say that they need to play in the preseason, but you know, Aaron Rodgers talked about the, the practice that they had after the preseason preseason had ended where it was closed to the media and they did like a full game walk through both sides of the ball. And he mentioned that that was like the best practice that they had ever had. And to him, it was more beneficial than any type of preseason reps that you could imagine because a, a lot of the times in the preseason, you're seeing very vanilla schemes. Yeah. You know, you're not getting an authentic look at what a lot of these teams will actually be bringing in the regular season. So I think part of it was, like you said, you have to build a chemistry. And I think it was just a combination of too many factors. It was an offensive line that was getting manhandled up front. Rogers arguably could have gotten the ball out quicker, but he didn't trust his protection instead of throwing the ball away to like live another day. He was trying to make plays and, and play, you know, the hero ball that he wants to play the wide receivers. There were a couple miscues guys running some wrong routes. I think a lot of that stuff gets cleaned up. And I think maybe that's where you find the silver lining in this game is that it was week one. You, you know, you had at Donatel, you had a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Yes. You're familiar with some of these pieces, but just, I think the offense is going to be okay. I think I'm more concerned about the defensive showing that we saw on Sunday. Really? I feel the complete opposite. And, okay. Maybe con- concern isn't the right word. Just my expectations were so much yeah. higher for the defense that to see them come out with a clunker, I was like, okay, well, that's disappointing. The offense, if you said, hey, the offense is going to put up 14 points, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I, the first for seeing the the Vikings offensive performance that we did for them to kind of turn things around in the second half and only allow 23 points all game. I was like, okay, maybe this, this could have gotten away from them and it didn't. So. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last things on the offense and then, and then we can switch over. Um, I did appreciate how much Rogers did target the rookies, even mm-hmm. after their, both of them had, you know, some mishaps in in their first targets and he still went back to them. So I was happy about that. I know that probably doesn't say a lot about our confidence in the quarterback and how he feels about having rookies out there, but he did utilize them afterwards. So I'm glad that happened for them. My last question for you on the offense is fourth and one goal line. Did you agree with going for it or would you have taken the points? Because I normally agree with, with Matt LaFleur, but I actually would have just taken the field goal and gotten the points on the board. I 1000% agree with going for it. And I even didn't have a problem with the play call. I had a problem with the way that Jake Hansen kind of flew 10 yards back and uh, just, well, what like, else I, was, <laughs> I had a problem with the offensive yeah. line in that one. And, yeah. but I think, you know, also maybe, got pancaked by Zedaria Smith and, and maybe that's again, you know, you are in a fourth and one situation, which you have AJ Dillon for. It's a goal line stand, but you know that your offensive line is questionable right now and they don't have a lot of experience in this. So if if you're worried about your offensive line being unable to push the pocket, find a different play call. And I think that was the the play that Rogers actually said, like, you, you know, in hindsight, I should have should have run it in. There was a wide open lane. So, you know, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, that was a that was a shitty call because we it, it didn't work. But I think in most instances, when you have Bakhtiari and Jenkins out there, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because 
it was the first time I normally very much agree with going for it on fourth down, but it just felt like in that moment, they really needed to not have a zero on the scoreboard. And I just would have taken the points, but hindsight's 2020. So, all right, defense, you were disappointed. I was also disappointed. I felt a little bit better today about the defense. The more I thought about it, they did have some really great drives where they had some three and outs. They had only one sack, but pressure felt better in my rewatch than it did when I was watching it live. They just didn't have a game plan for Justin Jefferson. And that's the frustrating thing is because you know, that's the guy you need to stop, right? There's they, the Vikings have a plethora of weapons. Um, Sure. New offensive coordinator, new head coach, right? You didn't know what Kevin O'Connell was going to bring out and honestly props to him because he game plan Justin Jefferson perfectly, but you have to be better. It reminded me of the Dalvin Cook for touchdown game where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to stop Dalvin Cook. And that's the only thing you need to do. And yet they couldn't do it. And it was just that, but with a wide receiver. Yeah. And I mean, the, the interesting thing too is, you know, the Packers actually had better third down efficiency, like from a percentage. And maybe you could argue because the Vikings didn't need third down as, as frequently, but like, it was a, it was a relatively clean game. I mean, neither team got a first down from a penalty, I thought, like you said, the defense was getting really good pressure. The Packers had a better day, you know, yardage wise um, or yards per play, I should say, on the ground. Like I liked the way that the defensive front looked. I was really excited. We saw Wyatt in there a little bit. Jaron Reed was getting in there. TJ Slayton had a really nice stop. So I think like the D line is great. Preston Smith and Rashawn both had their opportunities. Rashawn, obviously the only sack for the team. Kingsley Inigbare was out there quite a bit. It was kind of fun to see 55 in green and gold again running around when Z was in purple on the other sideline. But yeah, I think just the disappointing part was we had these these lofty expectations for the secondary. And it's not to say that they won't go be amazing. It's just we knew all week like this is a tough trio of Jefferson, Thielen, and Osborne. But you have arguably one of the best CB uh, trios in the NFL yourself. So you should be able to match this up better than you did. Yeah. I mean, they did hold every other offensive weapon to barely any yards, right? It was just, they got beat really bad by Justin Jefferson. And there were a few moments that I was just confused by the choice, right? Like Quay Walker was on Justin Jefferson on a third down on the first drive. Like, Nobody was shadowing him on the fourth and one in the red zone on their, on that first touchdown. That was way too easy for him to get in. Um, it was just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at one point Preston Smith was also on him. Yes, it just, it, 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 it felt flat. I'm like, that's not, yeah, it, just, get... it just felt all kinds of off at times. And, and I know it's really easy to say, we'll just have Jair Alexander shadow him. And sure. They also have two other cornerbacks right? That should theoretically, and if you would ask me going into this game, I would say, yeah, Rasul and Stokes can very much cover Justin Jefferson, right? We have three cornerbacks that I feel very confident about. So I don't, I didn't mind the zone. Um, and I understand, you know, the, the Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff have come out and said, like, it's not, it's just not that easy. You can't just like play man. Right. The entire game. Right. And I get that, but it's just, there were moments on key downs on third down on fourth down that you're having your inside linebacker and your outside linebacker on their best weapon. Like those are things that I just feel like cannot happen. And again, I think that's coaching. I I don't know if that's the player's choice and, and even like you can't even really blame execution. 
That that was one of my like the things that I think maybe I'm I'm questioning the most about all of this. And we saw Matt Lafleur, and we saw you know the coaching staff come out and say like you have to alter your entire game plan when you're a zone defense and you're thinking about making shifts in game to man. It's not that easy, and I completely understand that. But I think my biggest question is you have three man corners, like they're all like they excel at playing man. So why is your base defense to be a zone defense? Like if you're, you know what I mean? Like, and I know it's, it's not easy to just change your entire defensive scheme, but you have three corners who excel in press man and you're playing zone schemes. Like you said, that have an inside linebacker in the flat relying on covering Justin Jefferson. Like why? (laughs) And that's, that's, I think the biggest takeaway from me is like, you know, when Jair had the the one play where he guarded Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson drew the OPI. Like it just the yeah. matchups didn't make sense. And and credit to Kevin O'Connell for exploiting every soft spot in the yeah. Packers secondary. Yeah. Again, like this, the other team gets paid too. You know, like there there is that piece of it. There was another moment, it was on the Rashawn Gary sack that Jair was actually on Justin Jefferson also. And I was like, hey, look at that. He was covered. And <laughs> Kurt couldn't get the ball out. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think I feel more confident the defense is going to be able to put it together Yeah. Um, in another game. I, I, that's why I was less concerned um, simply because like, I just trust them. I trust the talent that they have. I trust that they're going to look at each other after this game and be like, yeah, we're never letting that happen again. Um, and I do trust Joe Barry that he'll make mm-hmm. the appropriate adjustments because we've seen him historically do that. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, he's got the pieces. It sounds like there's optimism around the Quay Walker injury. It doesn't, it seems like he might be able to go as early as Sunday. The Chris Barnes injury looked really bad. Anytime you see an air cast in a cart, you know, you hold your breath a little bit, but that seems like maybe they dodged a bullet there as well. So hopefully that's, that's a good sign moving forward. You know, we talked about inside linebacker being one of the the secret strengths of this defense as far as depth is concerned. And then to see two of their, their guys go out in the game is always a concern, but it seems like, you know, on the injury front, at least things are, things are okay. So I guess at this point, do you have, is there like a player that you're concerned about or is there an area of the defense that you're just like, Ooh, I'm, I have questions. No, no. I mean, it was a kind of uncharacteristically poor, decision-making game from Adrian Amos. So I didn't love that because he's usually really reliable, even in bad games. But again, I just feel confident that they're going to be able to bounce back from this on the defense. I, I don't, I, I, I do think that the injuries concern me a little bit. I know we said like neither of them are, are too serious, but it did make me realize, you know, your your top guys go down and all of a sudden like you are going to have Ray Wilborn out there with Javante Campbell and then it starts to get concerning but it does sound like Quay is going to potentially play week two and he had a great game again if you want to talk about like bright spots on the other side he I think led the team in tackles you really saw him flash and it was his very first game right in the NFL and, and he looked ready to go um so we love that if you're if you're looking for some positives yeah, I mean, Devondre Campbell is still Devondre Campbell. 11, 11 tackles. Uh, I think he had a tackle for loss. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I think, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes, the defense has – they'll get it together, and they've got no disrespect to the Bears. They've got a good opportunity to do that next week at Lambeau Field under the lights with this receiving core that the Bears will be trotting out. You know, I, I think it's a good 
kind of rejuvenation process for the secondary specifically, because I think that's maybe, you know, where you could argue that the biggest struggles were on defense. But I also think, like I was saying, you know, you, not to look too far ahead, but these are the things you need to get answered right away before you have teams like the Bucks that have, you know, like Julio Jones is a new wrinkle and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And, you know, there, there's weapons everywhere and you yeah. need to be able to trust the cohesion of your secondary and the communication, because I, I think the communication was like weirdly lacking. Like you said, it was just one of those games where everybody looked kind of confused and we're not used to seeing that from this defense. Definitely not, especially because there hasn't been any changes with the communication, right? The same guy's mm-hmm. still wearing the dot. And I mean, I don't think they changed the scheme all that much. So I don't know, I guess credit to the Vikings really, mm-hmm. which sucks to say, but um, anything else? on your end from the defense? Uh, Maybe not directed like specifically towards the defense, but I just, I was nervous about the Kevin O'Connell signing for the Vikings because I thought that he was such a great offensive coordinator with the Rams. And he kind of felt like one of the missing pieces for this Vikings offense. And that's not to say that, you know, I think the Packers still win the NFC North. I think the Vikings, you know, maybe are a wild card team and, you know, everybody's going to cut this up on YouTube and, you know, splice it and put it in things if that doesn't end up being the case but I think Kevin O'Connell was a really good hire for them because we were so used to the defensive minded Mike Zimmer that now you have an offensive minded head coach that has learned how to unlock some of his best weapons and I think Joe Barry now is just tasked with finding a counter for that but by that same token Matt LaFleur had said before the game Sunday that it's almost like they had too much time to prepare because week one is a crapshoot and there's so many different schemes and so many different coordinators and so many different position coaches that everything just kind of falls on its head. You know, I still think the Rams are going to be in contention. You know, the Bengals obviously lost and they're still a playoff team. So, you know, week ones are really weird. And that's not to say that the Packers shouldn't have won. They do need to start hot. The lackluster kind of week one performances aren't it's not okay. You know, we shouldn't be excusing that, but I think that there was definitely, I'm, I'm not ready to, to say this guy is falling just yet. Oh, a hundred percent. The last phase of the game that we have to talk about are our arguably spending- the best. <laughs> they didn't really make any blunders. So um, that's great. We love that. Of all the things that I was concerned about, that was probably pretty high up and they looked totally fine. Pat O'Donnell, great um you know we only saw mason crosby once but <laughs> great and yeah so keep that up special teams very proud of you guys I, the, I will say the one thing that i was kind of surprised by is that amari rogers didn't get a single offensive snap like i know he was back returning punts and kickoffs but i i was kind of surprised that he didn't get like you know christian watson on the the end round was great that was a lot of fun but it's the stuff that we saw amari doing in the preseason i was kind of surprised they didn't give him like a single look on offense. I was also surprised about that because they only went in with two running backs. So I assumed that they were going to use Amari in more of like a running back role and they did not. I, uh, if I was a reporter, I would ask Matt LaFleur about that, but I'm not, (laughs) but we do not have credentials yet. So until we get those, yeah. (laughs) Um, couple other things. And I have to give, um, Alex Strofe props because he asked Andy and I this on pack a day last night, but do you think the outcome of this game would have been different if Alan Lazard had played? I think maybe there is 
another touchdown on the board. You know, like maybe it's like 23-14 or like, you know, maybe we think the Packers moved the chains a little bit because it did look like, you know, on third down, we saw Randall Cobb get a couple snags where it felt like it was just one of those trust moments where Rodgers in those kind of panic looks is going to go towards the guys that he trusts. And Lazard has always kind of been one of his guys on third down. So maybe to that extent, but I don't think it would have like tipped the scales in favor for the Packers. I think, I think the keys to success on Sunday, regardless of Lazard was playing or not, were AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. And I think that's the biggest discrepancy is the fact that they, I think they could have been the difference maker and they were eligible and able to be. And that, I think is where the fault lied yeah. largely for the offense. Yeah. It was just such a missed opportunity. I think, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at like Aaron Jones getting what, like eight touches the whole game. Like that's just, that's malpractice. Um, I would tend to agree with you. I, I don't know if Alan Lazard would have been like the game winner, mm-hmm. but I do think there maybe Rogers would have just had an added security blanket or maybe, Lazard could have made a couple of those plays a little bit during the scrambling, you know, cause he knows what Rogers likes. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what it's like when he's back for sure, especially about the distribution of snaps, because I think he, for what it's worth, he Rogers tried to disperse the ball around quite a bit to all their playmakers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the last thing I'll say, you know, before we wrap this up is just I've been thinking about this a lot since the game. And it's it's a very old cliche, but it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. And sometimes I feel like with the Packers, whether it's, you know, defensively or even offensively on Sunday, there's like a tendency to lean on your X's and O's and try to to make your scheme you know, do too much. And I feel like this was one of those perfect examples of a game where you needed to just let your players be the difference, Mm -hmm. even defensively too. Like, you know, I think we overthought it and it was like, Hey, the X's and O's dictate that we should run our scheme this way. And you've got Jimmy and Joe all pro. And I think that there was an opportunity there to let them be the difference in the game instead. So that's, that's, it's a very old cliche, but it's what I've been thinking about a lot since, since the loss. I love it. I think that is so well said. Um, any other post-game items, any concerns around some of the other injuries that we want to discuss? Do we think we get either tackle back for the Bears game? I'm going to be optimistic and say that Elton Jenkins is back. But I'm probably by Wednesday. I'm not going to think that anymore. So <laughs> if you're listening to this not on Monday – We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm feeling more and more pessimistic as the days go on about David Bakhtiari. Yeah. I don't want to put it out there and I hope I'm wrong, but it's hard not to start to be like very, very concerned when, um, you know, it's been quite a while since that injury and there's been numerous setbacks. So you just hope that they can figure out a way to get that knee healthy. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the biggest thing in all of this too is like as frustrated as all of us are, yeah. you know, he's like 300 times more frustrated and it's got, I mean, it's gotta be hard. Like we've seen players never able to fully recover from their injuries. And honestly, I had concerns that Z was going to be a shell of himself because as friend of the show, Jacob Westendorf used to say, I've never known somebody that had a bad back. Like once you have a bad back, even if you get surgery, some of those things linger and you know, you're hoping that it's hard to say it hasn't, or it can still linger when it's been a 20 month recovery, but it seems like this is one of those things that is continuing to linger longer than I think anybody would have expected it to for David. And 
just you hope that it's not like a career altering thing at this point, which it's hard as the days go by to, to feel optimistic that it's not. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't want to end on a pessimistic note. So <laughs> um, we will be back for a bears preview later this week. Um, we will be talking about all the things we hope the Packers do. We will be chatting about what the score we think will be is, which we are going to predict a win. Um, they're going to need a bounce back win. They have we seen back to back losses yet from Matt Lafleur? Only if you count season? the preseason going into the regular or the postseason going into the preseason. So okay, so technically no. no. Technically no. So. Feeling good. I do feel like there's a lot of film, right? A lot of things to work on. Um, the sky is not falling. Uh, the rewatch made me feel better, right? It's never as high or low as, as you think it is. And um, they're the Green Bay Packers, so they're going to they're gonna figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, you can check us out this week on Odyssey Sports. We did just, just sign with Odyssey, so you can find us there. You can find us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can find us on Twitch and YouTube, which many of you are on right now at Pax What She Said, and also on Instagram. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, and you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week, hopefully breaking down a W this time. And go Pack Go Pack Go. Pack go.